Hi, I'm Dave Ferguson, pastor of the Collegedale Church here on the campus of Southern Adventist University. Welcome to our podcast. We're going to explore today some of the relevant words of Jesus Christ in Scripture to my life, to your life. So enjoy the message. Well, happy Sabbath and happy Thanksgiving weekend to you. As being Thanksgiving, I thought it would be an appropriate time to jump into the topic of being thankful. Let's pause for one more prayer. Jesus, we pray that you'll pour out your Holy Spirit and apply your word to our hearts personally in just the way you desire. We give you this time and this space. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A few years ago, I was uh, thumbing through my country magazine, something I love to do for recreation, just to relax and enjoy the beautiful pictures when I came across a picture that looked much like this. I thought to myself, I wonder where in the Caribbean that is. So I read below, and I could not believe the answer. Michigan. What? Michigan has stuff that looks like that, that incredibly clear blue-green water? What in the world? I lived in Michigan for three years and never saw anything like this. What's going on? So I thought, is it trick photography or is this real? So over time, my family and I decided we're going to go check it out for ourselves. So last summer, we made a trip to, the, uh, to Michigan, and lo and behold, it's for real. They have incredible, beautiful sights just like that up in Michigan. So um, while there, we decided, man, let's go over to Sleeping Bear Dunes, and we wanted to take a dune hike. We had never done this, at least my kids had never done this, and we were all excited. They had official signs. This is where you take the dune hike, and there was lots of people on the dune. We were so excited. We grabbed our water bottles, thankfully, and uh, jumped out of the car, locked the car, and took off running up the sand dune until we got exhausted. Then we started walking, but when we got to the top, this is what we saw. Wow, look off in the distance. That must be Lake Michigan. Well, let's go! And so off we took to Lake Michigan. Now, if you have never taken a hike like this, I would compare it, it's similar to walking on a treadmill. <laughs> it seems like you're going somewhere, but <laughs> it doesn't really feel like you're making any progress. It took forever. It was exhausting. Oh my goodness, it's just like the sun was burning down on us. We're walking, we're drinking our water, and that lake kept seeming like it's just out of reach. And for me, I have experienced some similarities between that hike and trying my best to live a life of gratitude, a life of thankfulness. It, for me, it, it doesn't come bubbling up naturally. What's the deal? And yet, our scripture text for today, we are, we are told to live gratefully. Let's look at it again. Our main passage for this morning is going to be Psalm 107. And I'm going to be looking at uh, verses 21 and 22 right now. And this is what it says. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful work to the children of men. Let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. So living thankful for me is much like this dune hike, and yet God's word tells us we are to live this way. So how do you do it? How do you live 
a thankful life? And maybe even a deeper question is, why should we do it? Why should we live thankful? So I decided to start off with that question. Why live thankful? So I keyed that question into Google, and I got a hit. My first hit was uh, this guy named uh, Todd Houston, toddhouston.com. Now, I read a little bit about Todd. He, gave, he had this article right here, uh, Life Not Going Your Way, Five Reasons You Should Be Thankful. Good article. I was blessed by it. This little intro about Todd is I found on his website. It says, Todd Huston knows how to overcome incredible challenges. When his legs got caught in the propeller of a boat at age 14, his life was radically changed. He battled to keep his legs with numerous surgeries, but the bone disease eventually forced him to have one leg amputated. At the end of the article introducing Todd, it says this, Then Todd did the unimaginable to prove that anyone can overcome challenges. He completed a world record-setting Summit America expedition by climbing to the highest elevations of all 50 states in only 66 days, 22 hours, and 47 minutes, shattering the original record by 35 days. So, Todd comes with a, a level of experience in choosing to be thankful no matter the circumstances. These are this is Todd's list, his list of five reasons to be thankful. Number one, better relationships. Are you in a tough relationship that seems to be going nowhere? Be thankful. This is an opportunity to learn how to be more patient and kind and to give more unconditional love. Number two, why to be thankful? Better health. Are you experiencing physical and psychological health problems such as neck pain, low energy levels, or depression? Be thankful. This is a great opportunity for you to learn to take better care of yourself. At the end of that section, it says this, studies show gratitude gives you a healthier heart, better sleep, boosts your immune system, puts you in a better mood, and increases your desire for physical activity. Reason number three, better career and business. Reason number four, better finances. And reason number five, more love. Want to feel more love in all facets of life? Be thankful. Gratitude is an attribute of love, meaning when you approach life with gratitude, you will feel love in everything you do, no matter who it's with or what the situation is. I'm really blessed by this article. I really think that Todd has a lot to offer, and I'd like to con contrast it or compare it with Psalms 107 with the same question. Why should we be thankful? Here's the verses we're going to look at from Psalms 107 with that question. Why be thankful? Verses 1 and, one and 2 from Psalm 107. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Why should we be thankful? According to this psalm, it's because God is good, and he does good things. Let's look at verses 8 and 9. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men, for he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. 
Why should we be thankful? Because God is good and he does good things. Verse 15. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Why should we be thankful? Because God is good and he does good things. Verse 21. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Verse 31. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Though I really have been blessed by and appreciate what Todd shared with us in in the internet search that I did, I think he's modeling something that he didn't say. And that is this. If I were to boil down everything that Todd said as to why I should be thankful, if I were to boil it down into one word, I would choose the word me. Why be thankful? Because it's good for me. If I were to boil down everything Psalms 107 says as to why I should be thankful, that one word would be God. Why should I be thankful? Because God is good. And God does good things. And therein, in that contrast, perhaps lies a primary secret of how to live a life of thankfulness. A transition from me to God in my focus. Perhaps that's what's going on in Ezekiel chapter 36. uh, Verses 24 to 28. Let's take a look at that real quick. Like, And this is a prophecy prophesying about what we've been talking about in this sermon series, the re-series about the time when God's people, Israel, would be coming back into the promised land out of captivity. And this is a a prophecy looking forward to that time. Ezekiel 36, starting with verse 24, says this, For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all the countries, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. And I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. And I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I'll take a heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land and I will give your fathers that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. What if this, in fact, is the biggest building project God is calling Nehemiah and the Jews to do while going to the promised land, allowing him to transform their heart from me to God? What about now? Perhaps that is a building project that God is trying to do in my heart right now so that I can learn how to live in thankfulness and gratitude. Well, let's continue exploring uh, Psalms 107 to to learn more about how to live in thankfulness. Let's look at verses 4 through 7. Verses 4 through 7 in Psalms 107 says this, They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way, 
this is speaking of Israel of old, they found no city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted in them. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them out of their distress. And he led them forth in the right way that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. A common practice you'll find throughout the Old Testament if for God's people to try to learn to live in thankfulness is to recall God's mighty acts in their past, to remember and to recite the mighty things that God has done for them as a people in their past. This is just one simple example. You'll find it scattered throughout the Psalms and in various places. Reciting God's mighty acts, recalling the things that God has done in our lives to bless, to protect, to provide, to lead. It transports the, transports the power and, and presence of God from that event in the past to our present time so we can experience the joy all over again of God's work in our lives. In fact, this was so important to God that he set up physical things to help people remember, uh, to recite and to remember and to recall his mighty acts. One of those things was called the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Booths. And you can find it there in Nehemiah 8, verses 16 to 17. As they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem, Nehemiah and the people celebrated the Feast of Booths. And it says there in the text, for the first time since the days of Joshua. Now, what is the Feast of Booths? Well, they would go out into the woods and carve off limbs and branches. And as a kid, I would have absolutely loved this activity. Carve off limbs and branches and drag them back, back into the town and up on your flat roof or in the park area. You build little forts. And then you live in those forts for an entire week recounting God's faithfulness to you as a people as he guarded and protected and provided for you during the 40 years during the wilderness wanderings. The Feast of Booths physical activity to help remember and recall God's mighty acts in our past. You see Jacob doing this all the way back in the book of, of Genesis. When he was running from his brother, he fell asleep with a rock, his head on a rock. The next, and during the night, he saw this incredible vision, a ladder to heaven. God appeared to him, angels going up and down the ladder. The next morning, he woke up, and he's like, wow, this is a holy place. And he set up that rock as a pillar or an Ebenezer or a reminder, a memorial to remember that moment that God showed up in his life. Fast forward, the book of Joshua. Finally, after the 40 years are over, the children of Israel are going miraculously through the Jordan River, and God instructed one man from each tribe to pick up a large stone and carry it from the center of the river off to the other shore and stack it up in this big pile. And there in Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 to 7, it says, when your kids ask you, what is this pile of stones for? Recount to them how I miraculously led you out of the wilderness, across the Jordan, and to the promised land. Remember, recall God's mighty acts. God blessed me with a physical reminder of His mighty acts in my life last April. I was coming back from Stanford Gap uh, Recycling Center, got onto the interstate, cruised down to exit number 11, Udawal exit, got off, took the roads to my little country road that I lived on, and just before I got to my house, I didn't know what happened, but all of a sudden I lost complete control of my, my car, my truck. Uh, I lost, I mean, I heard this noise and I was in the ditch. I'm like, what in the world just happened? Did I have a blowout? So I got out of my truck. There I am in my ditch. 
near my house. I walked around to the front of my truck to try to figure out what in the world just happened, and that's what I saw. Immediately, my knees kind of started getting a little weak because in my mind, I started fast rewinding what if that had happened a few minutes earlier while I was going high speeds down Interstate 75? That wouldn't have been pretty. Or a few weeks before that, our whole family in the truck heading out to the Koei area with a dog in the back for a Sabbath afternoon hike. And that happens right along the edge of the Koei River. Wouldn't have been pretty. Or hauling a horse trailer down Interstate 75 at high speeds. There's grooves in, that, in our road where I walk regularly now. Grooves in the road where my truck slid along before it went into the ditch. Those grooves are my reminder of God's mighty acts in my past. When I was going through my phone to find these pictures yesterday, it just kind of dawned upon me that barring God's intervention and protection, the pictures following that picture last April possibly wouldn't be there. It's a, it's a reminder that I often think about as I go by on my, my walks, see the groove, and I'm encouraged. God protected me. He saved me. And it's easy to take life for granted, but the truth is he does that for us every day. Life is a gift. Let's keep looking at uh, Psalms 107 to see what else we can discover about living thankful. Let's look at verses uh, 10 through 14. Verses 10 to 14, it says this. Those who sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, bound in afflictions and irons, because they rebelled against the words of God, and they despised the counsel of the Most High. Therefore he brought down their heart with labor and fell down, and there was none to help. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distress. Darkness is an inevitable result of rebelling against God's word. It just is. God knows what's good for us. He has given us, he wants to bless our lives, and so he's told us how to live in a way that will be a blessing to us. And if we choose to ignore his word, choose to go against his word, choose to rebel against his word, darkness is the inevitable result. Also, being bound in affliction and irons is the inevitable result of living, living in darkness over time. It's just how it works. Satan touts it as freedom, but there's always chains. Perhaps a good metaphor for this type of experience that's described here in Psalms 107 would be the log slide. This actually was my favorite view, my favorite spot on our whole trip to Michigan. This is up on Lake Superior, and I, well, fortunately, before I went on this trip, I told Pastor Dave that I was going to Michigan on vacation, and he warned me about steep sand dunes. He said, don't go running down the steep sand dunes because you may never get back up. And so, if he hadn't told me that, I likely would have just gone running right down that chute all the way down, 500 feet down to Lake Superior, 300 vertical feet above Lake Superior. You see the little trail on the right there? You go on that trail, and that's what you see right there. It was an amazing, an amazing view. But here's the deal. 
It can serve as a metaphor for what we just read in Psalms 107 because you run down that sand dune feeling like you have all the freedom and joy in the world and then you get stuck. I didn't even notice this particular sign until after I was over there at the sand dune. It basically says, watch out, don't go running down the sand dune. Many people get stuck and have to be rescued. Don't do it. I probably would have gone running down the sand dune had it not been for Pastor Dave. And spiritually speaking, so many of us do go running down log slide and get stuck. But look what verse 13 says. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them in their distress. Glory be to God, he saves us when we get stuck trying to get back up log slide probably the best illustration of this in all of scripture in my opinion would be Manasseh King Manasseh I think he was the king of Judah he's found here in second uh, chronicles 33 verses 1 to 13 it's his story Manasseh was the son of Hezekiah Hezekiah was a, a lover of God a, f- a follower of God he did lots of good things to encourage the nation to follow God and Manasseh was the exact opposite For 55 years he reigned, and he did all kinds of evil, all kinds of evil. It's outlined here in these 13 verses. In my opinion, the worst of all the list is sacrificing his kids to idols. I just cannot imagine murdering my own children as part of idolatrous worship. And yet, that's what he did. Later on, a few verses later, it says that God sent him warnings. He ignored the warnings. He continued rebelling against God. And just like God had warned him, he was carried off, it says, with a hook and chains, carried off into Babylonian captivity. When he got there in prison in Babylon, what do you think he did? He cried out to the Lord. And the first time I read this through, when I was reading through the Bible, the very first time, it says, and God heard him and forgave him and reinstated him as king back in Judah. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Are you serious? But here's the good news. If God can, and will do that for Manasseh, he can and will do it for you and me. There is is nothing we can do that Manasseh probably didn't already do. There's no level of stuckness that Manasseh probably already had not experienced. And he called out to God, and just like the verse says, God heard and God delivered. And he will do the same for us. But we've got to ask the question, because I know it goes through our heads, but I have called out a thousand times, and I am still stuck. What about that? Well, in my opinion, probably what's going on is we're either not liking God's timeline or his process, because I'm here to tell you that God is able to rescue us from every time we get stuck on log slide. He's able and he's powerful. But look what 2 Peter 3, 8, 9 says about God's timing. 2 Peter 3, 8, 9. This is what it says about God's timing. You find that one real quick like. Second Peter 3, 8, 9 says this. But beloved, 
do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years. And as a, a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Side note, this is one of the best pictures of God's heart in all Scripture. God's heart beats to rescue us from log slide. He longs to do this. He is able to do this. He is willing to do this. He's eager to do this. And he is gentle in the process. Praise his holy name. And sometimes his timing is very different than our expectations. If your expectations are anything like mine, it's always instant. I pray, instant answer. I pray, instant answer. God works on his own time frame in the way that he knows is best. So I would like to suggest that our best posture is surrender to God's timing, his timeline, and trust. Trust his heart. He's in this with us for us, trying to rescue us. That's his heart. And we can trust his timeline. The second thing is we can trust his process. Let's look at Romans 8.1 real quick. It talks just a little bit about the process and one other verse to talk about the process. But first of all, Romans 8.1. Romans chapter 7 describes a person who is stuck down log slide and can't get back up. Romans 8, right on the heels of that, verse 1 says this. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So here's the good news. If God's timing is very different than we want, we want instant, He's choosing a long process. As we live our lives in Jesus, and He's in process of rescuing us, there is therefore now no condemnation. That is the good news of the gospel. And then one other perspective in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, when it comes to God's process. Paul was struggling with a major issue and he was crying out to God and it seemed to Paul that God was just ignoring his prayers. And then this is what he says, Romans chapter 12, verses through 8 through 10, a very, very familiar passage. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. What if God's process to our prayers of rescue includes answers like that? What if God's process to our rescue includes other experts? Perhaps there's a person who knows really well how to drive a helicopter, how to fly a helicopter. Another person knows really well how to repel out of that helicopter right down to where we're stuck on log slide. These are experts that are trained and know what they're doing. What if God's plan includes these experts? But I'm sitting home alone not wanting to share with anybody my struggle. I would suggest that we need to humble ourselves and surrender to God's process in whatever way He knows is best.
And I tell you, when God rescues us from log slide, (laughs) there is something to rejoice about. There is something to be thankful about. A few weeks ago, during Southern's Alumni Weekend, Pastor Don Keel was here speaking, and I was sitting right back there in the middle somewhere, and his opening exercise he had is put our feet under the pew, look up at the ceiling, choose a spot, and watch that spot, and then he said, now, Look at your feet without moving your head. His whole point was we can only focus on one thing at a time. And during that moment, God spoke to me. And he revealed to me that I am focusing too much on my past, failures and faults, and too much on the future, things I'm feeling fearful about. Instead, he's calling me to be content and grateful right now. And as I read through this psalm, it's congruent with what God told me in that moment, and that is this. Transition the focus away from me to God and His goodness. So we continued this hike, trying to get to Lake Michigan. It seemed like it was always over the next dune, and the next dune, and the next dune, but eventually we got there. We, this, this hike... Mile and a half there, mile and a half back. It, it was three miles total. It felt more like 10. I don't know what the deal was. I think it's something about the sand. It is a challenging hike, and we were so thankful when we got there, and then we finally got back to our room, our condo, and took showers, relaxed, and rested. We had something very much to be grateful for, which reminds me of these words Jesus spoke to his disciples just before he returned to heaven. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. This is reason to give thanks. No matter where we happen to be on log slide or on the dune hike, this is reason to give thanks. I invite you to pray with me. Jesus, we just praise you that you are good. No matter what our circumstances are like, you are consistently good. And you are consistently doing good things, whether we can see them and experience them or not. We glorify your name for who you are. We also surrender to you, inviting your spirit to reign in our hearts and do heart surgery on us to redirect our hearts to be focused on you. May your joy and your thanksgiving shine through us because you live in us. In the name of Jesus, amen.